Well, good day and welcome to another episode here of the Disaster Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Davis, the pod medic, and we have uh, a great topic tonight. I'm really excited to get into this, uh, and you'll learn more about what that is in just a second. Um, but uh, before we get to anything else, I want to um, thank you all for continuing to check out our show uh, here as we roll into our 11th year, and uh, I'll be- bring in my co-host, Sam Bradley. Sam, how are you? cold <laughs> well you do live in colorado and it's winter time so uh, well there's that i just came in the house and it was seven degrees so really not in the house but outside i know you're getting some of this on the east coast yeah we're supposed to dip down in the next few days here um you know it's january here in maryland so i i kind of expect it yeah well we, oddly we haven't gotten hardly any snow no we haven't it's either just, we got a boatload of rain over the weekend and a lot of wind we lost another tree in the backyard but that's part of living in the woods so you know take it all in stride i'm sure you have a few left oh yeah there's more than enough out there more to (laughs) you know plenty of trees to fall and not fall so it's all good i was going to use an old joke but i won't um well we have a great guest tonight um he came to me via Tim Conley with our IDMC, and uh, we had a nice chat, Robert and I, and uh, I'm excited about what he's doing, and I want other people to see that. Robert LaHoop, say hi. Uh, hey, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, uh, both of you, for allowing me to be a part of this, allowing me to showcase bullets and band-aids. This is entirely wonderful, and having checked out your work previously, it's just it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, rather than get into any bullet points, why don't you just tell us what is Bullets and Band-Aids and how did it start and what's your background and a few of those things? <laughs> that's, a, um, that's a very weighted question. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I, so, so basically I, I was in the, uh, the Marine Corps Infantry from 2000 to 2004 uh, we were the first ones into Afghanistan, and so we took the Kandahar Airport in 2001, and then the embassy in Kabul after that. Um, after I got out, and for the span of about 10 years, I went through the same issues that so many uh, uh, veterans go through uh, once they get out, which is you know, violence without a place to put it, uh, uh, substance abuse, suicidal ideation. Um, it was it was really bad, and and uh, I think I knew uh, subconsciously that I was, in fact, affecting people around me uh, because of this trauma. But I didn't. Uh, I, it wasn't conscious enough to where I could address it. And uh, and then in 2010, I was given the opportunity to uh, give a TEDx talk. And um, when I wrote my story down there was a profound sense of ownership to it. And uh, uh, that ownership would allow me dialogue uh, that hadn't previously, uh, uh, you know, had a platform. But uh, what is as much, if not more, uh, knowing that that story had been heard uh, uh, rather than just and only written was profound. And so in 2012, uh, I put on an art show at the Pienza Art Company that I had been a part of for years. 
and uh, uh, it was called Bullets and Band-Aids. And so I interviewed veterans and then wrote their stories. And then we handed those stories off to civilian artists that then created something based on that. Uh, I just wanted, uh, most of my friends were artists. After I'd gotten out of the Marine Corps, I had majored in uh, writing for media arts. And so that means that uh, it's going to be collaboration from the start. So uh, I was very familiar with the people with whom I was working, and I knew that the execution of their craft would further underscore the uh, respect and dignity uh, uh, inherent in the courage to tell your story from these veterans. And uh, uh, it was a very powerful show. It was, in fact, the most powerful show that I had been a part of uh, up until that point. And uh, I had no idea that it was going to continue after that. I was just, I was blown away by it. And then, you know, I, I went on about my life one way or another. Um, fast forward four years and uh, I started working with uh, a veteran-centric nonprofit. Actually, the second one. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple of things that I actually skipped and and forgive me for that. Um for the uh, uh, the first iteration that we did in 2012, uh, uh, it was to raise money for a veteran-centric nonprofit that got uh, uh, veterans to see psychologists outside of the VA, um, just so that the the uh, 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 they would have these options and the load of the VA might potentially be lightened. Um, we we printed out each of the stories that had been written about these veterans, and uh, uh, so that the the attendees could take those stories home with them, and so that the uh, uh, the veteran participants would further know that their story had been told. So in 2016, when I started working with this other nonprofit. Uh, I decided to, uh, you know, try it again, find out where it might take us. And so uh, that iteration, we added high-resolution photographs to the booklet, uh, uh, as well as the artist statements, just to reinforce the importance of, uh, uh, of each participant one way or another, with all of the focus eventually trickling down to the storyteller themselves. Um, <clears throat> Fast forward into uh, 2019, and uh, I have a friend of mine that broaches the idea that we could be our own nonprofit. And as soon as that happened, it was as though my mind was set on fire. Uh, uh, I, had our, all, I, I had always understood the potential that uh, Bullets and Band-Aids had from the start, but I had never been given the the freedom, the agency to fully expound upon it until we no longer had the tethers of someone else's mission. And so in 2019, we began as our own nonprofit uh, with the understanding that we would have uh, a, a veteran interviewed and then a civilian writer write that interview and then a civilian artist create something based off of that. We do that because our mission is to tear down social barriers between veterans and civilians by celebrating our common humanity through storytelling and artwork. What's more is that uh, uh, we 
started off with a very high watermark, which was to have two people from opposite ends of the same conflict be in one show. Uh, we had that watermark because of uh, a couple of profound and nuanced instances that happened to me uh, uh, when I was in Afghanistan that reinforced that uh, uh, everyone's life should be acknowledged as uh, uh, potentially of import, you know, uh, 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 a strong uh, source of how we as humans could be better if we were to just listen. And uh, yeah, right. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, we had we had several. We had people from five different countries for Volume Three. Unfortunately, uh, the two people from Palestine that we uh, were trying to lock in fell through for extenuating circumstances. But we did interview someone from Israel, and so that was a, that was a good start. Um, and one of the cool things being that uh, just as we're trying to cover as many different perspectives in regard to what it is to either be a part of the military or be adjacent to the military, we also try to uh, uh, show as many different forms of expression as possible. So uh, the written stories that the writers uh, would create that were inspired by the interviews would be told through their own voice and their own method. Uh, and, and then we would hand that off to a civilian artist that then had the same. So we had already covered by the time Volume 3 came out, um, ranks from private up to two-star general, uh, World War II up to present day, um, Afghanistan, Liberia, uh, Lebanon, Israel, um, uh, just, just to name a few. Um, and then Volume 4 came out in 2021 where we had uh, nine people from outside of the United States. So two people from uh, uh, Afghanistan, two people from Ukraine, two people from Russia, two people from the UK, and one person from the Netherlands. Uh, I say this to underscore at one point I'd been given the opportunity. I'd had a gauntlet actually uh, thrown down that said, could you create a circumstance where there were these three people, uh, a storyteller, a writer, and an artist, where uh, uh, you could reduce it down to something that Bullets and Band-Aids is, in fact, capable of creating beyond just the understanding of what people think it is that you guys do. And so we have a, uh, uh, we have a man from the Netherlands that wrote a story based off of an Afghan interpreter from the, the, from the Battle of Shock Valley which was the most awarded battle since Vietnam. And the person that did the artwork is a Russian sculptor. So though they were not on opposite ends of a battlefield, uh, we have a Russian and an Afghan. Uh, uh, we have pictures of a Russian and an Afghan sitting at a coffee table uh, while both of them were roughly eight or nine years old when Russia invaded Afghanistan. And uh, uh, we've also covered taking into account uh, uh, that you don't have to have been in combat to be a veteran, that veterans are the common denominator of a melting pot of a society, and that being a veteran is not exclusive to the United States. 
it's the sort of thing where you can daydream about it. And that's probably where we will be next. Uh, that's not to say uh, that this is a dream that we have so much as this is a proven trajectory that we've had since the start. Um, well, I'm going to I'm going to throw in and see what that's a lot of information and it's awesome. Sorry. I didn't even want to interrupt you, but I want to see what Jamie thinks about all this. Well, I'm just I'm taken by the the expansion into an international field. Um, the the idea of bringing in uh, writers and other creative arts uh, to help people express something that is inherently difficult to to verbalize vocalize or visualize um and and i think that it's inspiring to come up with a way to help people do those difficult things um there there are there are traumas we experience in in the course of our lives and various things that are very difficult for for people to to share that experience and you've given them a way to do that in, in a unique fashion that is something that someone who wasn't there can perhaps understand in some small way because of uh, an artist's interpretation in, in working with that individual. And it's just powerful. It is. And I like some things you said right at the beginning too, Robert, about, you know, when people come back from, a deployment, and I can understand this very well, you know, their whole world is shaped differently, and people may not respond to you with the, with the love and respect that you actually deserve. They don't, under, they don't understand, nor can they really understand. But what you did was, A, recognized your own issues, B, found a way of communicating them, and then taking it a step further into, wow, this would this is really helpful to have other people read my story and understand where I was, because that's the piece I think that's missing a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's the beauty of this. You, you, you're, as you put in your website, celebrating common humanity through this project. Mm -hmm. And I, everyone benefits from it. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and thank you so much uh, um, for the kind words. Uh, I think one of the one of the cool things about what it is that we do, you know, taking into account that we do have, you know, we've covered ranks from private up to two star general, World War II up to present day. Um, this is not the end result of what happens is not something that one person could do. It literally takes more than a hundred people to create one volume now. As a matter of fact, Volume 5 is going to have at least 150 people. Um, and the end result of that being we have these people from across demographics and generations and geography actively and eagerly investing in one another. Now, in a micro scale, uh, we are talking about the actual form and function of the end result of their communication. So you know, the written story and uh, and then the visual work. Um, but beyond that, because of the sensory metaphor that, that art is, uh, uh, where we can 
look at something that was about or or was created in a different time in a different place and still be inspired uh, uh, toward a conversation via our humanity and our attempt to understand where the artist is coming from. And uh, uh, we also, just to further underscore the immersive aspect of what we do, we have uh, 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 QR codes on all of the exhibits because we put all of this together and we tour different museums so that you can listen to the story while you're looking at the artwork just to fully you know, immerse everyone in it. Um, but I think, uh, uh, I think as a social species, you know, as, as, you know, we, we don't simply learn to live and survive off of stories, but that's how we can thrive. And so, uh, uh, whether it be, and, and these stories would be a give and a take. So, um, whether it be being heard or listening, uh, we provide that platform. So you could go to one of these shows and uh, uh, hear about a bunch of different circumstances that ha- that seemingly have nothing to do with one another, but in fact do have this steady thread that goes through them. And so uh, everybody can not just actively invest within themselves but uh, uh, beyond taboo, invest in their own curiosity of one another, which uh, uh, you know I think is cool. Um, yes. <clears throat> sorry, forgive me. No, I was just going to say that's extremely cool, and yeah. you know this is healing for everybody. I oh. mean, it's 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 healing for those of us involved in it, and it, it educates other people to have more understanding. I wish this could turn into a really huge project god knows we need it in this world i mean it's already pretty big but i'm certainly grateful i think i think one of the cool things about about what it is that we do is that uh well two things one is that there is a skipping stone of uh of uh, a service in regard to uh most of i would say at least 50 percent of the individuals that i interview they uh, began with the military, and their sense of service hasn't stopped, uh, uh, which I think is is relatively profound. And another being that because you don't have to have been in combat to be a veteran, and veterans fill all of these different aspects of what it is to be uh, uh, alive, basically, um, we are we are able to <clears throat> in a sweeping fashion use hope as a counterbalance to fear and doubt and i say that specifically because of a story that uh, uh uh that i tell from time to time i had a friend of mine who was uh a navy seal and i asked him where's the worst place you've ever been you know sierra leone Afghanistan, uh, uh, Iraq, and without missing a beat, he said, New Orleans, Katrina. Yeah. Uh, this, this style of understanding that goes beyond the box that society wants to put us in, like the blurring of that means that we can all uh, acknowledge our shared human journey and there is both strength and responsibility 
within that. Um, and I know that I find, uh, uh, obviously, I am one of our biggest advocates. <laughs> so forgive me if I sound uh, kind of like a zealot, but objectively speaking, we've already done it four times. We're just looking to do it a fifth time. Well, like Jamie said too earlier, um, a lot of we get a lot of EMS folks, and and by the way, I didn't, I don't know if I told you, but we have a Facebook community that's somewhere between nine hundred and fifty, and I mean, it, what are we at, Jamie? Did you come here to look lately? Uh, we're close, somewhere between nine hundred and fifty and a thousand. It fluctuates yeah. around there. People come, people go, but um, you know, it's there's a Facebook group that that revolves around the show and. Um, you know, people communicate there, um, share stories and, and um, experiences and news articles and things like that. And it's an international group. We have them in the UK and New Zealand and all over the place. Hmm. So, you know, we... Plus it's a solid group. Sorry. What, Jamie? Go ahead. Uh, that was actually me. I was just saying that's a oh, solid group. Oh, that was you. Group. Okay. <laughs> That's a that's a solid group of uh, uh, followers, you know. I'm I'm sure they're not doing it in passing, so that's a big deal. No, I think almost all of them have been with us since we put the site up, which is like Jamie said, you know, we've been doing this going into our eleventh year. But that might be a good forum for you to uh, jump on, and when they hear this podcast, they might have more questions because, like Jamie said, a lot of EMS folks are veterans. You might find some of those international people that would be perfect for your program. So I think that's something worth doing because I really think you'll get some interest out of this. Right, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, in a, in a time when there's so much conflict in, in, in around the world um, and so many things that could be shared experiences, um, finding a way to express that shared experience uh, through writing, through artwork, through song, whatever the case may be, um, it, it is an important humanizing factor because you know, I, 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 one of the things that struck me in my years as a paramedic and a nurse is that, you know, everybody is the same when we are hurting and having um, that, that moment where we need to reach out for, to someone else for help. And, you know, there's, there, there's a basicness of that human moment when you need to, to talk to someone or you need healing and, and you reach out for that, you make that call, you call 911, whatever the case may be. And everyone's the same in that moment. Every, you know, I just, I feel that very strongly that, you know, everyone wants the same things. They just want to feel better. They just want to feel, you know, that someone's listening and caring for them. And, you know, this is, this is something that I wasn't aware existed and it's striking me in a, in a way that I didn't expect it to, to hit me. So this is very powerful, Robert. I, I feel that very strongly. Well, I, I think uh, um, every participant that we have uh, uh, has that same understanding, uh, just just as you and I do, and, and I'm sure Sam does, which is why she invited me, um, although I don't want to speak for anyone. Um, 
but I think that's one of the cool things about it is that when I started this, I felt as though I was hopping on a wave. So all of the other participants are also riding this wave, which means that there is no uh, uh, there is no one person that is more or less important. So the end result is that uh, uh, the the collection that we have is made of people who are grateful to one another, uh, uh, and and it allows this uh, uh, this style of healing dialogue uh, on a on a on a massive scale. I've got to say, like, thank you so much. Uh, uh, for recognizing what it is that we do. So often uh, uh, people hear, oh yeah, so veteran-centric, uh, uh, you know, art nonprofit, you get veterans to paint. And <laughs> there's totally a validity in that. Uh, uh, art therapy can be profound on levels that haven't even fully been uh, uh, discovered. But the interconnectedness of, of what we're doing, uh, uh, I think... Not not to go dark, but uh, uh, you know I've had a fair amount of friends of mine that took their own life, and and the isolation that I felt, and the isolation that so many of us feel because of the nuance of our story, and I'm only saying this to underscore what you're saying, Jamie, uh, uh, is that we all, whether or not uh, uh, we would agree with one another on uh, uh, like a higher-minded sense, we all fundamentally, especially if separated profoundly, I feel as though we are all aching for some style of reconciliation. Uh, uh, and, and I think this is a good opportunity uh, uh, for this reconciliation through the dialogue that is created. So uh, we have books that we sell online at bulletsandbandaids.org that, uh, uh, that have these stories. And you can download volumes one and two for free off of the website. Uh, volumes three and four uh, we actually sell. But uh, uh, I don't hesitate to, uh, uh, to give volumes one or two away or to sell three or four because all we're doing is... Uh, uh, exactly what we said we were going to because the potential was there the whole time so it takes all of these people i'm not a i'm not an art i'm not a visual artist i tell people i draw like i cook and i boil pop tarts uh but but this this is a a, a group of people from all over that actively and eagerly came together for this common cause and this was at first just and only in South Carolina, and then South and North Carolina, and then uh, uh, with a, a you know light dusting of people from other countries, and now uh, we have eighteen different com- countries represented on six different continents. This is well, fundamentally like about proving a justifiable hope beyond all of this doubt and despair and fear proving it sorry yeah yeah no and, and people can go to your site and find out if they want to be involved as a writer or an artist or a veteran and you know you explain very clearly 
how you go about doing that if you want to contribute. And also, I mean, I know that you do the lion's share of this work on your own. And it is a nonprofit, and I'm sure donations would be very valuable in a number of ways. So why don't you tell us how they can do that? You're so wonderful. Um, <laughs> so so just first and foremost, go to bulletsandbandaids.org. Uh, There's a donate button. That would be fantastic. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so anything that you donate would, in fact, be tax-deductible. But in regard to like doing most of the work, I would have to refrain from saying that that was me because all of the people that were involved from the board of directors to uh, uh, the participants themselves and even those other people that are common uh, minded uh, have, by the nature of acknowledging what it is that we're trying to do, are already part of the movement. And uh, that's what we're trying to celebrate anyway. And I'm not taking away from from the compliment that you're giving me, but uh, uh, also this literally took a village and it's going to keep taking a village. And that's part of its charm. Well, well you know, we've, we've talked. <laughs> Sorry. I have, I have a big interest in this, so I'll be part of that village, hopefully. Um, I mean, that's the plan. That's absolutely the plan. And Jamie, did you say that you were a, a medic, like a corpsman? No, a paramedic, um, and a um, and eventually became an RN um, in the ER. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I started right before, I guess, about five years before nine eleven, and um, you know, saw that Sam was on ground at Ground Zero, working in, at the federal as a federal responder there was at Katrina. I mean, we've been, we've been through our share of things and tried to cover it here on the show over the last 10 years or so. Um, but, uh, not, not in the military service myself now. Well, I, I think it is important to, to underscore the, uh, uh, the service nature of all of these things, all, all of the, the, the people who are telling their stories. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Sam having been at Ground Zero uh, uh, is is something that could definitely like. She has people, I'm sure that she knows. Sam, I don't mean to talk as though you're not there. <laughs> like, there's uh, uh, there's a lot of conversation to be had one way or another in regard to the the impact that we are are uh, uh, trying to have as individuals. And and initially, like at one point, we wanted to be both military and first responder centric the uh the singular reason why we didn't is because we didn't feel as though we were in a position to uh uh go beyond the uh the direct um guided mission that we have um but that isn't to say that first responders would not be more than welcomed when it comes to telling their stories. Uh, I think that's very important to, to underscore. And, uh, uh, and on the website, like, actually, I think in regard to uh, 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 putting forth submissions, you can uh, reach out to contact at bulletsandbandaids.org, but I don't think we're taking direct submissions. 
uh, uh, so much as recommendations. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, and, and I think this is just a model that can be, you know, adapted to first responders too. And, and they're, 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 you know, I, I, I think about the artwork that came out of their, our community after nine 11 that, you know, tried to express the feelings that were coursing through a lot of us, um, after the loss there and, you know, and, and it helped express something that we couldn't find a way to express some of the artwork, the imagery, um, the, the writing, the, uh, you know, it all, it, so I, I can only imagine how, it, how it helps with veterans as well to, to be able to see that, that form of expression of something that they couldn't put words to, or couldn't put, um, a voice to, uh, so I thank you for, for doing this. And I know that there are people out there who contrib- can contribute to something like this. Um, I am actively involved in the author community uh, myself. Uh, I've since retired from the first responder realm and, and write fiction now um, myself. And I think that there are opportunities for a lot of writers I know that would be able to help would be honored to help in something like this. So it's, it's exciting to, to share this in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I'm entirely grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm talking so much. That, I'm just, we, no, this is what a podcast is, dude. It is. Yeah. You know, we bring you on and then let you this. talk. <laughs> Nobody wants exactly. to hear us. I mean, I could have asked a lot of questions, but you were already answering them. So yeah. you know, this yeah, is I've, done this, I've done this at least twice. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> That's great. Well, we're definitely going to have you back as we see how this project rolls out and how many people are responding to it. And, and I'm excited to be part of it. And so there you are, Jamie. Yeah. And um, I want to thank you, Robert, for coming on the show. We, we have to handle a little business and then we'll wrap up. But um, stick around and we'll we'll chat a little bit after. Um, I want to thank um, Dr. Joe couldn't be here tonight. I think he would have been fascinated to listen to this um, topic. But uh, we do want to thank Paragon Medical Education Group for their continued support sponsoring the Disaster Podcast over the last 10 years. Uh, they make it possible for us to bring this episodes to you on a regular basis and be able to talk to people like Robert uh, about the amazing things he's done with bullets and Band-Aids and, and, and think about how we can adapt similar therapies and, and similar ways to reach out to the people hurting in our own community. So I think it's it's an exciting opportunity to, to to see what's going on with others out there and find ways to adapt those things to us. So check out ParagonMedicalGroup.com, um, Paragon Medical Education Group on Facebook, and of course there are links on the Disaster Podcast pages as well to connect with them. Make sure you have them come in and check out how they can bring you a unique educational experience to help you be prepared for the next disasters in your community. Um, Sam, uh, we um, had a great episode. I'm so glad you reached out to Robert. Yeah, me too. This is really important. and I'm just just flabbergasted by it, but it's going to be so useful. You know, Robert, you talked about those people that you lost that committed suicide. And I wonder if something like this had, had it been available to them might've helped that, but, we can think about all of those that it may yet help. I, so. I've actually had people 
tell me uh, uh, that they wouldn't be here right now were it not for bullets and band-aids. Uh, I've got a certain number of people that I need to hear that from <laughs> before I can exhale. Um, but uh, that, that gives me chills right there. <laughs> the, uh, I'm sure uh, it's true. We had it. We had it. Uh, yeah. I don't want to. Hmm. I just to, just to throw this out there. We had an Afghan interpreter that said if it wasn't for bullets and band-aids. Uh, uh, I wouldn't have been able to tell my story to a country I had fought for and my friends died for. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. That's profound. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to cut you guys off. No, no, no. no. Uh, I think these it's are, a, God, it's awesome. These stories are why we're here to, to talk about it, and then we're glad to have you on tonight. So, Robert, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much.